the Say Something podcast is brought to you by a AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. We are bringing you the Say Something podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Yes, when we get together, talk about everything going on out here in the life, in the world, in these crazy streets. In these streets. <laughs> Episode number 58 coming at you. 58 with a boogaka, boogaka. 58. Special shout out on this episode to a, to, to, to a legend. Oh, here we go. Minneapolis, Minnesota native. I don't know who this going to be. Yeah. Uh, just phenom across the board in ways of talent and creativity, artistic expression. No longer with us. Man. Uh, to his credit, sold over 150 million albums worldwide. Had the number one film, single, and album simultaneously. That's crazy. Capable of playing minimum. Played at least 27 different instruments. That's talent. And wrote songs for everybody. From Sinead O'Connor to Alicia Keys. Mm. Tevin Campbell to Shaka Khan. Tevin Campbell, huh? Yeah, Tevin Campbell. Uh, involved in a bunch of different groups, notably the Revolution. Ooh. The who knows that? Who knows the group? Who knows the group? Who knows? The, oh, excuse me. Who knows the guy? Revolution, the time. <laughs> Get excited. <laughs> We're going to show a little love. He was known as the artist formerly. He was known as his royal badness. Oh. He was known as the purple one. Born Prince Rogers Nelson. He so, was known as a dude that looked like he was a fruit bag that had some of the most gorgeous women alive. Baddest on the planet. Shout out one time. Rest in peace to, one, to Prince. Yes, Prince. We miss you. Prince, and not only for his artistic expression and his ability and his talent, one thing that went with Prince is that uh, he signed his first contract in 1977 when he was just getting started. He was a teenager at the time uh -huh. and spent nearly half of his life fighting the system for control wow. of what was his. Yes. Uh, and most notably, if you're long enough in the tooth to remember that era, he was he stayed in litigation over over his masters and ownership of his work yeah that at one point he had signed a contract they had, it was a hundred million dollar contract with 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 warner brothers and the way that it was structured is that he used to create albums so much he wanted to be able to release them when he was ready not when they wanted to have these scheduled releases and he was like look i don't need to sit on this he was dropping if you thought tupac put together a bunch of songs where they drop albums he had nothing on prince and he kept running into these conflicts and they couldn't do it the way he wanted. He couldn't express himself the way he wanted. So when it came to his contracts, he was just like, you know, we, we can part ways. You know, I, I can generate the money. We can do it however we want. And they kept trying to find all these loopholes as they were dealing with them. But ultimately, he believed that he was he was paying back royal recoup money. And at the end of paying back the money, they recouping the money, they still owned his work. And he just said that that was just ridiculous. If I'm paying you back the money, I should own all my stuff. So he spent really almost half of his entire life fighting that fighting that fight. That's crazy. And but he was just a creative genius. Um, he is missed deeply. Like I said, played 27 instruments. There's even stories in the beginning back when he couldn't afford studio time. He used to barter and work as a janitor 
and clean up the studios, mop up and all that in exchange for studio time so he could record his first project. Wow. Like this dude had work ethic. He had smarts. He had intelligence, creativity. Uh, he was five, three in proper platform shoes. And and he had a mentality of ownership that niggas do not have nowadays. And a lack of fear when it came to going against the system. When everybody told him that that contract, $100 million back in the back once upon a time, 80s, 90s, you're talking about. Boy. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous money now, but it was ridiculous, ridiculous money then. And everybody told him he should have just took his check and been happy that that they, quote unquote, gave him that much money. But he was like, they didn't give me anything. Not too many fearless Negroes and Negroes who don't compromise to the system live a long life. Not really. And after he got all his stuff squared away, got his affairs in order and you know the he, he passed from a uh a, a documented or alleged or depending on how you april, feel april, about april it. said that they april said that he got killed yeah depending on how you feel because it was a, a an overdose was what killed him uh, now if it was self-inflicted if he had a little help or, or you know whatever the case may be uh i i find it not funny haha but somebody who ran a similar race with michael who fell to a similar fate. Yeah. You know, it, it's not coincidence that when you spend an entire time fighting a system and then happen to get a W that, that it ain't over. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but show us some love and appreciation. Cause you know, he, what he did artistically He's, and creatively he set the and, bar. and inspired so many people, but he was, he was somebody who was not afraid of the system mm-hmm. and somebody who was willing to, to put it out there and, and to find other ways and to really, really, really go at it. And so I think that that type of mentality and, and inspiration and spirit is something that we should appreciate beyond just being a talented musician. Exactly. Exactly. I feel it. I feel it. I, I think that in the same sense is that when you see him, all those moves he made, you didn't really understand it. Yeah. Until after the fact. Um, I just think that 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 speaks volumes to where we're at right now. And that fact is that we need to take ownership. If that's going to cost us our life, then so be it. We got to fight that battle because um, the coldest part about his death now, they got all of his shit. Yeah. Everything. Same with Michael. <laughs> you know, and, and wow. crazy how that worked out, you know, because I, I think that, I mean, there's been so much going on now. And to find somebody who was willing to really go against the system, we see that playing itself out now. Yeah. I mean, we live here in Sacramento, and you can hear this podcast anywhere, but we live in Sacramento, California, where going against the system and and speaking up against the norm or, or what's deemed you know, business as usual is, is something that's hitting national news now. Yeah. Uh, we addressed it, touched on it, well, we talked about it last our last podcast when we were talking about the the incident with the uh, law enforcement yeah. shooting of a, and the passing of brother Stefan Clark. Yeah. And since then, there's been they like to to, to label riots, yeah. but there's been uh, social gatherings, there's been protests, there's been discussions and talks, there's been events that have happened, there's been a bunch of things that go beyond a trivial word of a of a riot or a protest. Uh, all talking about how we really need to look at, address, and change policy. Uh, more transparency in what happened when more and more of the details come out and that it's really a case of uh, a mad as hell and I ain't going to take it anymore. Yeah, right. It's real shit. I mean, I definitely believe in the, 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 the realm that we're in and the, the kind of moment that we're in, what we're doing specifically uh, in this community is unprecedented. 
um, in this con- conservative, uh, what capital, <laughs> Sacramento? Yeah. Uh, pe- people that of of color speaking out is 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 unheard of, right? I think the last time Sacramento was gotten shook by black people in this manner, uh, consistently was probably when the Black Panthers came down with their guns to the Capitol. Uh, many moons ago. Many <laughs> moons ago. Many moons ago. And, and by that particular time, I think the Negroes have been distracted and we've had a regime of Negroes that have been okay with what the system has given. You know, as long as they're okay, uh, it don't matter how they people fend, right? Okay. So, enough is enough. Uh, 2014, I'll say it again because i got to constantly remind folks me and my community uh, uh, leaders and comrades that was on the front line of when Michael Brown got shot had kind of basically uh, saw what this moment was and said that uh, I remember talking and said, we are one national moment away from being Ferguson. Fell on deaf ears. Uh, and then you walk around and years later, the deaths and, uh, and assassinations and executions uh, and lynchings, let's be clear, lynchings of black people, black men, black women, black children. I mean, it was it was so bad. You know, you were like, Obama, you going to say anything? And you never got that uh, from our president who was black, uh, which was kind of odd to me in a sense. But it, 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 it seemed like every week or every two weeks, it was a real national murder. It was like putting Negroes yeah. on notice. Hashtags was just changing that. It, 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 it was too many hashtags. I think we got the hashtags became normalized because of that. But now we're at a place where Sacramento has finally got their national moment. And um, we have been prepared, a lot of us, for this moment. And preparation creates opportunity. And the opportunity that we have right now in Sacramento to do something progressive nationally, and that is change the way policing looks, to dismantle a system of policing that requires them to kill black people. And I feel that this time and and how uh, um, our people have been on the streets diligently as a leadership has kind of come out and, and led the people and, and, and spoke truth to power. I think this time we're going to get it right because in 2016, we had another opportunity to get it right. And and they gave us a little bit, but it's almost like trying to say we're going to put this bandaid on cancer and you're going to be cured from cancer. Yeah. OK, so something that, that that's interesting that's going on now. So last week when I was talking about how this was first happening, I said I've seen this movie before yeah. in the sense of where you hear about. An unarmed individual is is fired upon by law enforcement. Uh, they get the paid vacation. Uh, time goes by. Nothing is done. Back to business as usual. Where I think Sacramento's at an interesting interesting spot is that um, right where it's at now. Talk about your what you're saying is all the different things coming up. There's been major major. There's been if you're not familiar, if you haven't seen the news, there was a, a protest where people walked onto the I-5 North. Where they literally shut traffic down on, on a major uh, inter- interstate here in Sacramento. I was there. Uh, the blocking of the entrance to the Golden One Arena, where the Sacramento Kings play, where they're going to play the Atlanta Hawks, and a stadium that holds 20 some odd thousand people had 2,500 in it by the time tip off came for the game. I was there and it wasn't 2,500. I think that's total employee. No, I don't even think it was that, but I was there. I'm just going yeah. off the numbers, yeah. but I wouldn't. 
So they're, I went hey, inside. So. Family, they're lying. I went inside and that shit was damn near empty. Believe me. Maybe they're counting that. janitors and staff. Yeah, yeah and I don't know. It wasn't no 2500. <laughs> that motherfucker uh, was empty. I was there. As well as uh, in the uh, gathering at the city hall. Uh, really, day after day after day, Sacramento was showing up in large numbers. Civil disobedience. And also, don't re- don't forget, you got to remember the, uh, the, the standoff that we had with the police on Florin and 24th. Yeah. So... All these things that are going on in the sense of where there hasn't been, it's just not the damaging of property. It's not things being set on fire and, and, and random fights and brash you know, behavior just jumping off. It's people really voicing their opinion, talking about we're not cool with this. And being strategic as well. Yes. And so that's the point. So at this stage now, where normally what happens nationwide is, is that there's an explosion of emotion and behavior. And then whatever the narrative was at the beginning gets dismissed. Whatever the cause was gets rerouted to the incident. You lose the scene if you're talking about the police department. You're talking about why were, were the, the, the body cams muted at any point in time. Uh, if the, the question was law enforcement were fearful because they were in the dark coming after somebody with a helicopter ahead, why didn't the helicopter just shine a light in the backyard? Like all these different things that can come up in discussion and conversation, it's staying on the conversation because there aren't these distractions that taking away from from the cause. So when I say I've seen the movie before, before this is actually a different a different scene, and there's a really great opportunity here that some headway can be made, and, and some resolutions and some 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 closure can happen. My question would be is what does resolution look like? Because a lot of times we say that we need officers to be held accountable. So if these two officers are prosecuted, does everybody fall back and go back to business as usual? Usual. If they say we're going to bring in a, a, a special independent investigator to go through police involved shootings, does that mean you take the foot off the gas and say, cool? Is there a clear cut finish line to what this looks like? Because after a while, you know, the way that the city works, this is this is the capital of California. The 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 economy of the state of California alone makes more money than most nations on the planet. It's only a matter of time before. Okay, we've heard you long enough. Uh, Either uh, you've got something that you hear that you want, something specific, or we need to shut this down because we need to get back to business as usual. What does resolution actually look like? Um, I think that resolution in some senses, and I've hopeful, hopefully my people that are chiming, that that are tuned in can kind of chime in on that. I think what resolution looks like, and please, family, add what you believe resolution looks like in this matter because we want to get it from y'all. We might not answer but we will answer afterwards and, i feel go ahead well for those of you who are listening to the podcast we are simultaneously facebook living this this particular yes, podcast yes, yes. so the question to who he's speaking to are the people who are live on, on facebook live oh yeah that's right you gotta remember right. the podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna hear the podcast <laughs> like what are they talking about who's he talking well, about um here's the thing i think resolution in one sense looks like um you know at at, at one time i think we believed in reform Okay. But I think like dismantling what the system is. I mean, of course, you want to have that short term goal, which says let these men, these police officers, these henchmen, these assassins be tried and um, prosecuted. Right. Yeah. And um, given a sentence. Some folks would think you'll never let them see uh, uh, the the light of day. But that's that's kind of unrealistic. Yeah. Right. Um, but the re- reality is. We have to stop living in a condition to believe that 
uh, killing black men and women is normal, right? I, I don't believe that we can continue to, as, as black people, be okay with the fact that us being black is a danger for people, yeah. right? We can't see uh, our son and daughters past a certain age because now they have a target on their back, yeah. right? Yeah. We can't live in a certain place because huh, they may be targeted a little bit more compared to living in that place, right? Okay. So resolution looks like a complete fixing of the issues, but resolution has to be done in a way that is sustainable and it doesn't come fast. So none of this is going to be an easy fix. It's not going to be like, okay, today you're going to get all of that. The system is so diluted because it hasn't had the opportunities to ever provide for people that are oppressed. So when we come out of this to create some real uh, sustainable things that will stick and make sense, we have to be patient on the process, but we have to start the process. And I don't think we're at the point of starting the process. Okay, so the, the system is that is set up the way it is, and it's also designed to protect, preserve, and, in, and it also incorporates the society in which it's in. You'll see that if you go to most, I would say all the time, if you want to check the racial climate of the United States of America, just go to the comment section of anything online. You should see <laughs> some of that. You, you Listen, family, listen. You should see some of the comments I've had from some of the interviews or just some of the posts that I've put up um, that have kind of gone national on some other levels and or go on my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Barry yeah. Axis. And it's, it's, it's just you can't tell me the racial climate in, in um, America, Sacramento isn't real. OK, it's so a lot of hate. So that being my point. So it, it, what you start to see a lot of times is there's a lot of if you're not from the, familiar with the region, there's roughly about a million people in the greater Sacramento area. We have a bunch of little sub little towns like called Fair Oaks and uh, Orangevale and Carmichael and, and all that sort of stuff. But for the greater Sacramento area through Sacramento is roughly about a million people. And there's a lot of them who don't understand what this is about. If you start looking at comments, you start looking at commentary, interviews on the street. There's a lot of people who don't get it. And so when you have a, a percentage of people and a large enough that don't think that there's anything wrong with the system. So how real is a complete, you know, shutdown and, and restart when the bulk of the society who you're speaking of don't see anything wrong with what's going on? I mean, because there, there are a lot of innate under the surface biases and prejudices that people have. You know, that that I know personally for me when I was younger, it took me a while to as I got older to realize that I had some preconceived notions and biases when it pertained to women. There's things that I just didn't assume a woman knew for no other reason than she was a woman. Like if you're going to talk about cars or something, oh, for her to know that her dad must have some man must have had to tell her or for her to know something about sports or something. She had to hear that from a guy. She couldn't have came up with that on her own. Mm -hmm. Like those were preconceived prejudices and, and biases I had growing up. It took me getting older to realize that that was my issue and to take everybody at face value. Now, if you go through most people, most people will be honest and say that they have gender based biases. Huh. There are women. If you walk around saying that men are logical and women are emotional, that is a gender based bias. Yes. So, I mean, most people will say I have those for gender, but most people won't say that they have them for race. Ooh. Because to say that you have one for race then some way implies that you're prejudiced, that you're racist, you're a bigot or something along that line. 
So but most people carry those as well. So if the people have these these underlying biases racially where they think in their mind black people are inherently criminal, they think in their mind if it was a black dude in a hoodie, he must have been up to something. There must. So they see justification in all these cases. How real is that, that this system will be completely shook and restarted when such a large percentage of the population doesn't think that there's anything wrong with it to begin with and won't even acknowledge their biases that they have to spearhead that change on their side? Yeah. Well, the, 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 I think that becomes into the reality of when we look at the privilege. Right. Yeah. We look at the privilege that a lot of folks have had in America for so long that it's actually made them sick, right? It's actually made them feel like, one, no one contributed except us. Yeah. Because they've been on top for so long and had had power for so long, they can't see themselves providing a balance or giving to someone else because they're looking like, well, you should work for it as hard as I did. Yeah. Not understanding, you really didn't work for it as hard as you think you did. Right. Because it's been passed over. So when you look at the biases that people have and we all share a some kind of yeah. bias that you broke that down, we have to really look in depth how those biases are created just in simple a content with our police. Right. Yeah. Our police really are trained to have these biases. Right. These police officers who come to some of these rural areas that don't know nothing about cultural diversity or never been around black people or if they've been around black people in high school, it was in these pockets. It was yeah. more or less around some of their white friends. So they don't really know how certain things are done. And if I'm having a white guy from Tennessee come to California, it's a whole different culture change. Yeah. Right. It's a whole different culture change, though. I know when I went to Tennessee, there was a lot of, you know, good hearted, you know, Southern swing, uh, you know, that that Southern Southern personality where people were very nice and hello, hello, sir, yeah. all that. It, it, it was good. That Southern charm, charm was kicking. Right. But at the end of the day, I sure saw a lot of Confederate flags. Yeah. Because that's a norm where here in California, Confederate flags, that would be like, oh, that racist mother effort. Yeah. Right. So when we draw a line in the sand to try to figure out how do we create these biases but how do we fix these biases? How can these biases really be fixed when a system doesn't give the other party that has less than any opportunities to even up the scale? Okay. You know, I don't think that we as black people, it's not us complaining. It's just, dude, you had a 10 mile head start in this race. How the fuck am I going to sit there and catch up with you? Had a 10 mile head start. And what you do is you pass it on to each. It's like what a relay race, right? Yeah. You're passing it on. You're passing it on. And how am I going to catch up to you in this race? Yeah, because like I said, there's, I think there's a lot of people who walk around who genuinely don't have a negative feeling towards other people. Like, I think that there's a problem. And I'm not even saying it white people because it, it's not exclusive. To, to, to yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's so, all. It's it, all. It, yeah, so, and, 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 I, and I just real quick, I think I think the media, all right, I think the media plays, if not an essential, a crucial, huge part in how this all plays out. Yeah, right. I think that when you're programmed to see 
one certain people a certain way, that bias goes to all other cultures that see you, right? Yeah, exactly. And then at the same particular time, when you go deeper into content, you now start believing in those biases. So black people start believing like, oh, yeah, black people are criminals. Because you hear it and you see it over and over again. Yeah, so you keep telling somebody the same thing over and 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 over again. After a while, that stuff you gonna be that motherfucking thing. It's gonna start to settle in. So, like I said, so when we're looking for a degree of resolution, where we're looking for a systemic change, where the bulk of the system is cool with with the way that things are, what can be done on our end? Because where we're coming to the table is saying we need you all to do something different. Because it's that because and this is let me put this in there, too, because a lot of times we make the argument. We talk about that. It's procedure. Uh, it's training. It's uh, this, that and the third. They're not procedure issues. It's not a training issue, because when you can go cross the board, state by state, county by county and show a bunch of different references where situations were handled differently. See, if the argument was that it, they're undertrained, they didn't know what they were doing, they were scared, they were fearful. That would be consistent across the board with every ethnicity and tax bracket that a a law enforcement officer deals with. If you're just scared, you're scared. It don't matter across the board. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But the fact is that you don't hear you don't hear you don't hear police officers saying it was an Asian guy. You are not (laughs) accidentally shooting some Jewish kid. You are not accidentally. Oh God! You know what I'm saying? Like there, there are groups. That, How many that, Asian kids are getting shot right now, man? It, it, you know what I'm saying? So that there, there are there are things to. And then also, let, let's preface something too that's important. Uh, okay, so I worked this job, and there was a thing we used to tell every new person when they had to deal with a particular manager. We used to say, 95% of the time, if you come in and say sorry, won't happen again, your problems will go away. Like this particular manager didn't want to hear your case, didn't want to hear your explanation. If you just said sorry, won't happen again, 95 percent of your problems will go away. That was the statement you gave when you dealt with them. The we were fearful for our life is when you when there's an officer involved shooting and they sit you down at that table. That's the statement you're going to give when you get out there. Most of these cops are not timid, fearful, scared people. I have family who grew up in, who, who in law enforcement and military. I've got I've known a bunch of friends and acquaintances over the years. These are not the most scared, timid people on the planet. That's the statement you give. That's the corporate response. Mm. So the fact is, is that you'll find there are, are there are a lot of incidences where you'll find law enforcement are feel disrespected that yeah. the fact that you ran. Yeah, they feel disrespected that yeah. you disobeyed a, a direct order. Yeah. They are irritated at the way that you are behaving. They are angry and upset by the fact that you didn't respect their authority when you were given a direct order or what they believed you were supposed to do. You'll find more anger on the end of a pistol than you'll find terror. So, I mean, when we it, these aren't things where we're talking about we need to go back to formula on training. So some of these things are, are, are some systemic issues. And I'm just wondering, like, what does that start to look like if there's resolution? What does it start to look like if there's change? Because I understand you can't get from how it's been since the beginning and clear it up in a summer. Yeah. But what would be some things that we could see real world, real time, real timeline that would start to make things look like, OK, they're starting to get it. Things are starting to look a little bit better. Well, um, but that, that was a that was a beautiful breakdown analysis that you kind of you know threw out there. I hope, hey, folks, I hope y'all listening up because it's, it's it's real, it's real truth coming down in in, in this in this podcast as we always do. We saying something. I mean, again, 
It has to be about equity. I don't want equality. What is that? That's what's, uh, no, what is equality? Yeah, yeah. It, well, something is the same. Okay. So, so, so we know that's never going to be. Yeah. Because no one is ever going to be the same. It doesn't matter how you try to, to shape it, right? right? You're never going to be the same. There's always going to be something different. And it's great to be different. I think I say to my, my kids all the time, um, what makes us different is what makes us great, right? Yeah. If, and, we, if we both make a dollar an hour, but I have $10 million to start with, but we both make the same equal paycheck, <laughs> we will never be at the same. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's what, so that's why I think it's a trick. That's why I think it's a trick when we talk about uh, this equality yeah. shit. This shit is bullshit. Yeah, I'm not it's giving trash. up the $10 million to start with. Yeah, exactly, with. right? Yeah, so yeah. it's it's got to be about equity. Yeah. Totally different talk of, of, of how to, to bring the conversation to where we need it to be. Yeah. Equity is what we have to have, right? And when I see about resolution, equity is now what are you willing to invest into um, areas that, one, you underfunded that you too never made the proper investment for the people there yeah now when you're moving us out here comes the bells lights and whistles oh yeah and that's called when you gentrify the community right because yeah. we know you negroes a majority of y'all are going to be here for the third phase yeah. right so what are these folks truly ready to do that say they have the interests and the thing about what we've done Going back to some of these hating ass Negroes that, that want to sit there and speak upon folks about how we're moving, how we're operating. If you're not paying attention, we have now started having our mayor look at the lens of what's going on in Sacramento a lot differently. Yeah. So now he has to truly identify the things that are constantly happening here overall in a whole, right? Yeah. In a whole of why more African Americans get arrested. In a whole why we're constantly uh, 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 not graduating and dropping out. In a whole of why our unemployment is still high, right? And we're not even talking about on a national level. We're talking about on a local level. And then looking at our communities that we uh, have kind of been moved to, mostly concentration camps in, in retrospect, well, damn, there's a whole lot of food deserts. There's not a lot of opportunity. There's not a lot of growth. It's just kind of stays stagnant. You now have to sit there and say, we have to make the proper investment. And, and I want to be very clear to my folks and to my people that that investment is due to us. So it's not like saying that we're begging because we're not begging, we're demanding. Yeah. Because I believe that I think what we have to understand in order to create a system, we have to be able to get things to create our own alternative system. Yeah. And everybody knows for the majority of us, not myself because I work for my own, but a majority of us is waking up in the morning and we're going to a white establishment to get our money. Yeah. Right. So it all falls back to white supremacy somehow. So if we're paying taxes, because there's pretty much unless we start fighting with the sovereignty, there's two. There, there's any ain't no way around paying taxes. Yeah. Right. Only was the only two things are for sure are death and taxes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we're we're gonna <laughs> do that. We have to figure out ways to um, be strategic. And creating those people, and that's what voting comes in, even though sometimes voting can be skewed. But if you have a large amount that creates a vote, now you can sit there and say, hey, Johnny, uh, you're going to be out of our community. Because especially if it's a majority of you black, and we talk about locally, 
and you're a district full of black people. Typically, most black people live near other and, and black yeah, people, so that district you, will be predominantly black. And you have a black candidate compared to a white candidate, more than likely that white candidate ain't going to win, right? Yeah. But if it happens, it's like black people didn't vote and kind of just stayed home. And those few little other minorities voted yeah. and got that white guy in, right? So that's just an example. So when you really truly look at what we have to do, we have to require them to pay back what is owed to underdeveloped communities that are black and show them the ideas of what we're looking for and also show them the blueprints in other communities and one of those blueprints would be a, a, a Jewish community one of those blueprints would be an Asian community we have a blueprint right here that's called a Stockton Boulevard aka Little Saigon yeah. and it is not culturally diverse No, it is Asian out it they show it, they prove it, they're unapologetic about it, and that's the kind of investment that we have to have as well as having Negroes who have a lot of wealth to get off their ass and start putting in to black communities and start building them back yeah, up. Because that, the, that Both of those things are very important because, uh, A, you'll find in a lot of cultures where they're, they're, the preface is that you have to build up the community. You know, that... that, that uh, there was a, a shop where it was an Asian gentleman owned it. And, you know, when teacher, teenagers turn 15, 16, the first thing you get, you, you want to go out there and get your little 10 hours a week, 16 hours a week, get your little job on when you're old enough to work. And they make it extremely clear. I am not hiring anybody who is not Asian and not because I don't like you for what you are. But what would I look like having I'm Chinese with a, a Chinese run business and I have a Chinese person who needs a job. What would I look like hiring a non-Chinese person when I have a Chinese person who needs a job? Huh. Like the belief system of I would be so wrong and out of pocket to do that because I know my fellow man needs a job and I'm going to giving it to somebody else. That thought process we need to adapt. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't mess with other people at all or that you can't do all that. But that believing that that cultural uh, significance and that it matters. We we need to uh, uh, bring in some of that. And when it comes to you know the government not helping, but so there's a thing that the government does. Everywhere we've been globally, after we destroy them, we rebuild them. Oh. And we rebuild. It's the reason why there's a base. There is no reason why there needs to be a base in Germany, a base in Japan, a base in Afghanistan. Everywhere we go, we 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 lay it out. Build up bases, set up shop, and stay there as, as the United States. We spent billions and trillions of dollars globally on doing this. It's because after we lay them out, there's a sense of responsibility to make them whole. We, you know what I'm saying? Once we go through there and wreck shop, there, the, there's something that we have to go back there and rebuild it. That was never done for black people in America. The damage that was done, the bomb that was dropped on us as a people, i.e. slavery, i.e. Jim Crow laws, all that, there was never a Mass position. Incarceration, there was never a make war. whole moment. Now, we'll go over there and make Germans whole. We'll go over there and make uh, Jewish survivors of the Holocaust whole when we weren't the ones who were putting them in, in the, the, the ovens to begin with. But because of relationships, we make a tie to get them back on, on footing. They, they help make Japan whole again. Vietnam, we took a L there and they still got money. Like all these things that we do globally for all these other places, it was never done for black people here. So when people are like, well, y'all just want stuff for free or y'all just want a handout or black people are always asking for something. No, nah. 
It's just simply putting back what was taken. Yeah. It's to make whole. Like when you go to court and you, you crash somebody's car, you don't necessarily, if they bought a $20,000 car, you don't necessarily give them $20,000. You give them enough that give you the blue book for it, enough to make them whole so they can get back into the car of something that they were in before. There's no direct dollar value for what was done to black people in America, but there needs to be some form of recovery that needs to be done by the people who perpetrated it. And for folks out there who are like, uh, my family got here in the 90s. I My family didn't have no part of slavery, didn't have no part of Jim Crow. Uh, my family was struggling back then there, this, that, and the third, whatever. Uh, just because you didn't have, your, you may not have felt like you had anything to do with its inception. Instead of taking the standpoint of, well, my family didn't have anything to do with that. I shouldn't have to burden any responsibility for the recovery. The mentality should be, I benefit from a system that I didn't have to do anything to be a part of. Like yeah. I, I get to go in without paying the cover. Yeah. So instead of saying, okay, well, I don't shouldn't have to own any responsibility because I didn't build this building. I didn't hire the people. I didn't do anything. No, but you get to walk in for free. Yeah. You don't have to pay the cover. You get to benefit from a system for simply being. Yeah. So you may not have had anything to do with some of the pain attached but to it, you but, you, but you benefit from its existence yeah. and you benefit from its oppression of yeah. somebody else. Exactly. So it so it so the lack thereof of that that conception or the misinterpretation that black people are lazy is, yeah. is truly uh, a myth because black people are the ones that created this shit. Right. So the idea that we could break down and then say, well, since you have never got anything for what you've done, right? That's like working 24 hours and never getting paid. Yeah. Unless I said, hey, do it for you for free. Guess what? Yeah. Black folks weren't doing it on the strength. We wasn't doing that <laughs> shit on the strength. You know? <laughs> we, we was forced. We wasn't looking out. And, and, and that force has forced us to uh, have to be so resilient. At particular times where you would think that we would get lost in the shuffle. And we're not even talking about the enslavement. We're just talking about a multitude of different traps and obstacles. Like we're running a race. We've almost caught up, but there's a rock. We're running a race. We've almost caught up, but here's the puddle. We're running a race. We almost caught up. Now here comes the rain fucking yeah. storm, right? Here comes the the, the 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 fire right there in the in the middle of the road. And the other person is just gingerly rock running, now jogging Saying, to the finish. Hey, line. I had to run too. Exactly. And, and that <laughs> and that is I feel I believe pisses us off, but also looks at why we're in the moment that we're in here in Sacramento. Yeah. And that's why it, what it makes it so unique is because now we're at a moment. That not only are we talking about the conversation about police brutality, yeah. but we're talking about the racial bias that's here. We're talking about the racism. We're talking about a systematic racism. We're talking about uh, um, institutionalized racism that has all been created in a form of white supremacy, right? And a simple fact that that killing of that young man wasn't just a killing of that young man. It was an execution. And why? Because that mentality that we are inferior and they are the dominant society whether it was a black person or two black people that were the cops they are now under the jurisdiction of white supremacy yeah. so when you're under the jurisdiction of white supremacy you do as what's told and you shut your mouth about it but what's happening in this new renaissance here is there's enough people standing up 
nationally and their place and they're not comfortable now we're sitting here at the state capital a place that says we want to be progressive a place that in true honesty you have officials that want to do something radical like uh the, our governor brown has done some some semi-radical things in his time right hasn't done everything but he's done a lot more uh, things that have kind of made me look at it and say, okay, Jerry, I see you. You, you, you. you don't get it, but you understand it. Okay. Now, we can do one better and look at this local frame, how it can create a national lens. It's going to take some time, but when we talk about investments, we talk about investments, it's just like how you broke it down with a car. We need a little help. We ain't asking for a lot. But we need more than what we're getting. Yeah. We don't want you to build us just a uh, uh, state-of-the-art community center. We need businesses. We need to be able to have our own cleaners. We need to be able to have a, a, a uh, our own nail salons. We need to be able to have our own or you know what laundry mats we need those sustainable things those everyday living things yeah. that people uh in other cultures they are sustaining to where they don't always have to go to someone else's community because they have it right there yeah. so we continue to be uh uh uh, uh attached to daddy daycare because truly daddy daycare loves the fact that we always have to go back and ask right yeah. but no longer are we asking we are demanding because we know from years and years of us being told we are inferior for years and years of them telling us that segregation ain't real no longer which it is we did a lot better when we didn't integrate Right. Yeah. When we were segregated and black people knew what it was. You don't like me. I don't like you. Don't come to my area. I won't come to yours. But we're not even saying that now. We're just saying now, listen, I love eating at your spots. I love your, your burger. Yeah. But I need about four burger spots of my own. Yeah. So I can have, uh, you know, seeing the, the, the opportunity to sit there and say, eh. I want to go to my own spot. Okay, so this is, like I said, so if we remove the them part, so the, the, the systemic issues in, in, in the other people who feel a certain kind of way, it, it, it's going to require rewiring on our side as well. Because this is not a one-sided conversation where it's like, okay, you guys have these Im implicit biases, you guys have these prejudices, you guys have these narratives that you carry around that have you acted and behave in a certain kind of way. But we've got it all figured out over here. So once you get your part good, we'll be fine over here. We got a lot of reworking that needs to be done on our side. So what would the onset of resolution start to look like for us? So I get on them when it starts to come to economic recovery, when it starts to come to uh, rebuilding, changing some of the way that policing is done. I think the old days where the, the law enforcement officers needed to live or at least give incentives to live in the neighborhood in which they police. So there's more likely to be a familiarity with the people. So there's more of a, 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 a culture identification when you're somewhere. You know, like if you're for this particular case, everybody kept trying to hang their hat on the idea of, you know, Stefan Clark jumping in the backyard to enter a home. Well, in certain cultures, that's common. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't come through the front door because I got the one key or you don't have a key. I'm going to leave the sliding glass door unlocked. Come through the backyard because dog ain't going to mess with you because he know you and come on in the house and you be straight. Mm -hmm. So cultures, that's every day. That's normal. 
if that's not the culture in which you're familiar with, that seems insane. Yeah. So I'm saying have, having a law enforcement officers who are familiar with the culture in which they police, I think could help. But when you start there, so say they start working on their side over here. They're, they're addressing all the things that we, we, we create a manifesto, everything that we want slided over to them. They say, right, we'll get back to you. We're going to get to work. What does our side look like? What does the conversation amongst us look like to get some of this resolved, to get some of this to get some of this better? Because the reality is, is, I mean, we have black businesses that fail all the time because we don't frequent them. Well, I think, honestly, it's uh, it's, uh, it's about accountability. It's about really having a, a straightforward plan. Right. Yeah. Um, not just jumping in saying, hey, I am a, a great barbecue guy, but. I'm going to go in business and not have someone that knows how to manage the business, right? Yeah. Yes, you're good at barbecuing, but you suck at business. Horrible so customer be, service. So, yeah, you, let's be realistic. <laughs> Amazing and, ribs, horrible customer service. And, and um, I think that sometimes the reason why we fail so often is because, one, like for instance, I'm going to eventually open a food truck, but I had to test the market. Yeah. So what I do, uh, festivals, what I do, cater here and there, what I do, uh, come to the African marketplace uh, Saturday, uh, every first and third Saturday, get folks started to understand what my food is and, and how I cook and my flavors and my different food options. So now the opportunity for me to open up my uh, food trucks becomes more of a uh, a doable option, right? Because yeah. I've already built a fan base. I've already got folks that are ready and prepared and like, oh, Barry Access, I know so I've already uh, put that plan in motion, so to speak. Okay. And I think the proper investment to understand that um, we're in it for the long run, not just for a short term or just not for a home run hit, but never hit a home run again. Yeah. Right? I want the grand slam because the grand slam doesn't happen too often, right? Yeah. What about the line drive, right? What about what about what about a bunt every once in a while? You don't always have to have these long strides. Let's think. Okay, instead of a twelve square twelve hundred square foot, uh, uh, you know, storage, let's look at maybe six hundred something that's affordable and partner up and uh, get into this group economics where you are okay with saying I don't have to be the focal point of this uh, business transaction, but I have to just be a partner. And I could sometimes be a silent partner. So I think that we have to start being able to, one, support each other, two, be able to learn how to do business with each other because it's rarely done in a correct way and um, trust each other and what we're doing. Okay, so what does what would a, a jump off to that look like? Because not only oh do we have to say something to the issues that are going on, the stuff that we see, but being solution orientated, what can somebody? What's a right now? Like if somebody's somewhere, the, the the city council will get together, the mayor will talk to his people, uh, they'll start to work their stuff systemically, talk with the chief of police, all that stuff will go on in those proper channels. But for somebody who's like, right now, what I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning, what can I start doing? That's going to start at least working on our side of the table. Like if, if someone was going to walk out the house tomorrow morning thinking, OK, I get I got no control over what they doing in that respect. But I do have complete control over what I can do, who, how I can talk to people, who I can reach out to, how I can react and respond to stuff. I can do that now. Uh, what does what would that start to look like in, in your opinion? Because because there's a lot of healing that needs to happen on this side of the table. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of healing. But at the same time, I always looked at I got to get myself right before I could even preach or talk to anybody else about getting right. Right. Okay. I think that we come to the table with uh, 
a full heart, right? But with a half-assed mind. So we don't even come to battle with the right mindset, right? Okay. We come, we are, we are very reactionary, very emotional people. And it's good to be emotional, yeah. but reactionary, it's not. Because yeah. every time something happens, we react. And they know how we're going to react because we've done it over and over. Yeah. Because we're going to react in that moment and then what? Moments no longer can be. We got to be away from that moment. We now have to be a movement. We now have to think, react, and build black. The mindset of us understanding that you doing good means I do good, means your son do, does good, means your daughter does good, means their sons and daughters. We have to think generational. We have to look at the sacrifices our ancestors did to get us to this point and go further than that. We have to get some life insurance, right? Because at the end of the day, something happens. We don't want to believe in it, but instead of a GoFundMe, you're going to have your kids set up where they can now utilize that wealth. We have to learn about investments. Okay. What does those investments look like? So, as much as economic building and economic recovery is important, uh, if it was something to go across the table for, would be mental health clinics, uh, access to, to, to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these be things that because well, I, I mean, well, I, well, I think that's what I said when I said as far as self, though. Well, no, but that's, I, that's, that's the piece yeah, I, of self. No, I get that. So I just just throwing it to the other side, too, because we don't really talk about that much. You know, uh, we'll all say that somebody crazy. Oh, I'll go crazy on you in a minute. Uh, you know that something's something crazy. We'll always say but, somebody's crazy, but we'll never yeah. find a, a therapist to help them. That's what I'm saying. So when we look for, you know, we want economic recovery and we want when you hear the, the argument for reparations that we want the check, we want the money. Uh, maybe that would. The check without the checkup. <laughs> say that again. You know I'm saying if, if you get the check without the checkup. You know what I mean? You're still going to be in trouble. So, I mean, I, I think that... And plus, a lot of the stuff, and we talking for the Facebook Live folks, we talking for the podcast, there are a lot of things that there need to be closed-door meetings to, to, to start addressing stuff that we move forward on. But I, I'm just looking at, if, if we're on our side, I, I would start to pose the question to so many people who uh, have issues with the way that the, the system of white supremacy and the way that a lot of the systemic issues that happen in this country... Uh, what's your per, what's your day to day look like? Yeah. Because if, if you somebody who told who says you haven't spoken to your brother in five years over over a Madden beef that went wrong, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like you and your sister fell out over twenty dollars during the Bush administration. Yeah, yeah. like 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 if if, if your if your family. If your family shit is really fucked up, yeah, if, how are you going to build in a yeah. bigger scale? Yeah, if you don't practice forgiveness, you don't practice healing, you don't practice uh, coming together. You don't you identify don't pra- with your own trauma. You don't do any of those things. Uh, th- I'm going to tell you right now, other people can see that. Yeah. And so when you want to come to the table and say that these are the things that need to happen, these are the things that we need to change and start working on. If I'm looking across from you, talking about you don't stand on a valid enough leg for me to take what you want seriously because you're no in pos- no position to make a good decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If all of a sudden somebody came to you broke and lonely and destitute yeah. and all of a sudden is telling you how to save your marriage and get your finances straight. You look at like, what? You ain't in no position to give me any kind of information I'm going to do anything with yeah. because I'm looking at your situation and how the way you move. Yeah. That lack of togetherness that we have 
it also gets in the way of the system and the things around us and other people changing. Like, I think the reactionary side is, is you wait for them to change. You do that, then I'll do this. And when that's the mentality, nothing will move because they're not going to do anything first because you ain't right to start with. So you have to make the internal change first, which then prompts the decision for somebody else to do something. And I think and I think one of those internal changes is the fact that, you know, we have now coming to a point where we're not compromising anymore. We're not um, being afraid to talk about the things that have been, you know, derailing us. You know, those things is the equity that we're, we're, we're receiving. I mean, okay, it's cool. Uh, you know, I may have a degree. That'd be great. All right. Bottom line, make a little bit of money, have a nice car. But if 99% of my people can't do the same shit that I'm doing, yeah. How am I really celebrating and really living a good life? Like truly, when I know that people look at me with this bias and when I know that folks don't really accept me for my character, what they accept me as, they accept me as whatever media perceives me to be, right? Not truly who I am. So that whole mindset, I think clearly has to be do for self means clean up self first and then start building. And I remember uh, creating my uh, voice of youth in 2008 and just working on myself so much that it was enabling me to work with other people because I had to be in the right place. I had to be in the right position, right? I had to be able to be in the right position to where I could mirror what I'm telling my kids to mirror. I couldn't have a fucking drug problem and start talking to kids about, hey, just say no. Yeah, Yeah. what the hell? They go, I need to stop saying no. So I think that the resilient part of us has always been historically something that we championed. But I now think the fact that what we need to champion is the fact that we understand we've gone through a generational trauma. And for us to be able to identify that is for now us to get that help, to receive that, to be able to have those tough conversations with our brothers, to have those tough conversations with our sisters, to have those conversations with our brothers and sisters that's ailing us and some of the things that are making us separate and not understanding like, yo, you and me together is better for everyone. Once we are able to identify some of this hatred that has kind of been taught to us to, to feel about each other yeah. and be able to heal from it, whatever it is, as you said, my fucking auntie owes me 20 bucks and I'm still holding that grudge, yeah. but yet and still, I'm talking on a builder of people. Yeah. Once we are able to do that, we're going to be so powerful. It's going to be boundless on what we can do, but the way we do it is going to take time and precision and a lot of people making that decision to say, I am ready to go and step into that. If we're not ready to go step into that, the dream of us creating our own will never happen. Yeah. And if you're not quite sure if you're one of the people that needs to do that self-check, there are certain phrases that you can really look to to see if you're that individual. If you walk around in the mentality of no fucks given, that is not a healthy mentality or mindset. If you walk around with the mentality of everyone who looks like one of your parents ain't shit. I hate them. That's not a healthy attitude. The, the, the idea of embracing this thought process of I don't care about anything. That you have no emotional attachment to anything. that Or anyone. Or any situation. Or, or anybody can get it. Yeah, all those sorts of things of... All that stuff, all those things that's actually telling you that you're crying out for help. Exactly. 
sitting around walking the idea of, man, I don't give a F about nothing. I don't give a F about this. I'll, get, I'll burn this whole mother F down. I don't care about so-and-so, such-and-such, this, that, and the third. Be the most emotional motherfucker in the world. Yes. You care about everything. You know what I mean? And, and the fact is, is that caring is not an insult. Being compassionate is not a weakness. Having emotions is not a weakness. Empathy. And here's the thing about that, just sidebar, we're coming to the end. But when we use the phrase emotional, specifically when you say it about men, we say it like it's an insult. Yeah. He's emotional. Here's a real quick thing. Uh, anger. If you're angry all the time, you, everybody can get these hands versus you crying like, like a key sweat record. Both of those are emotional. Saying that I'll cut you off like a mother effer and I don't give two F's about this. That's being emotional. But we, we sit there and try to say that you're supposed to stay in this little pocket space of sociopathic thought process where nothing registers emotionally. Them are the people I worry about. You know what I'm saying? Being in touch with emotions and, and kind of swaying with where you are and being extremely passionate and, and compassionate and empathetic and sensitive and all that. That to me, I don't worry about them. I worry about the mother whose eyes is the calm and the storm, like the one who don't care about anything. They're the people who cause problems. But I, I think that we need to, like I said, we, we keep keep pressing because that's the only way you make people change is when they feel like they have to. Yeah. There was a, a, a long time ago, uh, President, uh, I believe it was Eisenhower, and they were addressing some of the racial disparity uh, amongst black people in America. And they took it to him and he was like. Make me care. He said, you want to see this change? I'm not going to do it. Make me do it. And I think that um, for us in this moment here in Sacramento, with all the different things that we've done action wise, we've made the community, the city of Sacramento care. Um, just going into details with the last few minutes that we have. I mean, us shutting down Golden One was pure genius because guess what? We finally hit something that was going to make them start talking to us. And that's their money. Their resource, their access. We we stopped business as usual. We made them uncomfortable. We said, you're not going to make any money today. This, this is not going to happen. No. And we did that not once, but we did it twice. And I think that right there in a statement is, okay, we're going to now make you want to talk to us. Because now we're talking to yeah. them about how they are going to be on board with helping address some of the concerns with the black community. You're not going to use black players Right. And give them some money and think that you've done your uh, your due diligence for black people yeah. by paying these Negroes a bunch of millions. No, these Negroes come from places that you just may make a basketball court, put a computer and maybe a school or two and then go. No, you are going to make a proper investment. So I will say in a power play, me and my team for the things that we've done, we have the king's ready to invest in a three-year plan we don't know what that looks like because we have to organize it but we have brought people to the table to sit there and put equity equity about what and how we're going to look and transform the black community again it's not us just doing all the work because i refuse to think that anyone did all the work by themselves we are deserving no that is ours we pay taxes and at the same time our ancestors given free labor. So when we control that narrative and create that, um, what this 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 unfortunate tragedy has done, it's opened up a bigger conversation. We're still saying justice for this young man. We're still saying his name. But the reality is what this did is open Pandora's box to create that sense of urgency 
for people that have continued to overlook, again, underserve, and keep us oppressed because they haven't given enough opportunity. These are things that strike a chord with so many of us, and regardless of <coughs> your ethnicity or your religious background or where you're from, you're going to be affected in one way or another. And for those of you who think that this is not my problem or this is what goes on with them, you don't know who your children are going to come home with in 10 years. You, you don't know who's going to move next door to you. You don't know what situation you may find yourself in where somebody else's problem ultimately becomes yours. It has been shown religiously that when black Americans are doing well, the nation is flourishing. And when we're not, our problems become the nation's problems. And so I think that if we can spend some time to, to in some cases, look at somebody else's point of view, walk in somebody else's shoes. And then before we get quick to point the finger on somebody else's behavior, also be willing to look at ourselves and what can we do a little bit differently. If everybody can take that degree of personal accountability and then address the system and make it accountable, I think that more and more of us will find the equity that it is we're looking for and we'll ultimately get in a better position. Because the people who live on the side of the town that are not affected by this, here's the thing, you're it's not going to hurt you to help somebody else. It's not giving to them takes from you. So I, I think that if we can all get on board and we can really start addressing some stuff, looking at some stuff, and that starts off with self-check, self-analysis, uh, the checkup before the check, and these are things that we have to acknowledge and definitely say something about. I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axis. Where can folks find you online for more riveting conversation like this? Folks, I am finally back on Twitter, and I am excited. It's been a good, actually, I'm going to... Stay on Twitter for a while. I've there been getting hit up. I finally got it back on. So it's at Barry Axius, B-E-R-R-Y-A-C-C-I-U-S, at Barry Axius on Twitter. And, of course, Facebook, Barry Axius, and Instagram, at Team Boy. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. This is the Say Something Podcast with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axis. You can find us on SoundCloud.com as well as iTunes. Jermaine, here with Barry. Say something podcast. Say something. Till next episode. Holla. We will holla at you later. Peace.